Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, today, as we move into our teaching portion, uh, we're moving to conclude our Family Values series. Uh, we've covered three critical areas so far in family values. We began uh, focusing at the essence of Jesus at the center of our families and His love being the standard at which we are called to love our families. And we moved into uh, the truth. God's Word is the foundation of our families. And just last week, we unpacked this idea of loyalty, uh, the glue that bonds and holds the family together. And today, if you've been a part of family relationships at all, today's uh, topic, today's value is almost a given. It's a requirement, and that is grace. Grace. I say an essential value. It's really mandatory in family. I know it is in my family because I'm in it, and I am imperfect. I am a consumer of grace in my family. You may recall the story I shared several weeks ago uh, when I had this brilliant idea that I, I would just toss the FedEx package up the steps to my wife rather than walking it like a normal person. Uh, so I tossed this and didn't quite get enough oomph on the toss and drilled Eliza with the FedEx box. I'm a consumer of grace. I need it in my life moment by moment. I wish I could tell you that was the only time in recent history that I needed grace, but it's just one of many, many times. You see, uh, as, as something as simple as preparing a meal with me is an opportunity for grace to be extended. Uh, I, I love to cook. I, I enjoy that process. I enjoy getting to eat. Hopefully, if it turns out all right, I enjoy getting to eat what you just created. And I just have one challenge there, and that cooking for me is a teensy bit messy. And a very small scale disaster in the kitchen. Uh, you see, like, I have a one-track mind, so one thing happens at a time in my mind. And I know there's 25 things going on in cooking, but it's only one at a time in my world. Uh, so, like, let's say we're going to deep fry something. I'm sorry, I like deep fried food. Uh, but if you're going to dredge some chicken, right, you've got to get your wet dredge, your dry batter, and your chicken. And so we're going to start, and we set all this stuff up in the kitchen, and there's milk and eggs and a little vinegar and hot sauce and seasoning scattered all over the place. And I finally get through dredging, double dredge, you got to do that to get good chicken, uh, double dredging the chicken and have it set aside ready for the fryer. But what's behind me is a wake of destruction, there is batter everywhere, wet and dry. There's seasoning still open, scattered about the kitchen. You see, grace is a key ingredient because my poor family is left in the aftermath of this path of destruction. 
Grace, you might say, is an essential ingredient in me cooking, and, and really it's an essential ingredient in my family. And today I would propose to you that grace is an essential ingredient in your family too. Will you be the one that brings it? Will you be the one that brings grace? Let's turn to our teaching text today. Colossians chapter 3. If you know my my shortcut for finding that, uh, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to begin at verse 12. Paul writing says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Verse 14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Today, I'm not proposing, and nor is the Apostle Paul, we're not proposing that extending grace to one another is easy. We're not saying that it's simple. But we do believe that it's a mandatory ingredient in family. Grace means that we're going to bear with one another, that we're going to extend patience, we're going to withhold our anger, we're not going to insist on our own way. That's grace. Extending grace in family requires something of us, and sometimes it requires a lot of us. You see, this series has uh, been about focusing on walking out faithfulness to God in our family relationships, and we understand that family might look different for each one of us, but we believe that we all have those family connections, those relationships that are, are most important to us, and we believe that they are important to the Lord. And so what does grace as a family value look like? I mean, for, for my family, it looks like bearing with me in a lot of dirty dishes and dry batter scattered about the countertops or having to catch FedEx packages at random, just to name a few. But what about you? What does grace look like in your family? What grace do you consume from your family? Perhaps the question we're going to zero in on today is, What grace do you need to extend to your family? What grace do you need to extend to your family? If you were to look at a family that holds grace as a family value, if you were to try to put some descriptors, get some ideas of what that family's like, you might have words uh, like peaceful, loving, patient, understanding, growing, and nurturing. A family that extends grace is authentic and a safe space to be. If you were to try to discern what a family looks like that maybe withholds grace, those words are altogether different. A family that withholds grace, you might describe a tension, an anxious feeling, maybe a fearful or bitterness a certain level of unhealth. 
So today, as we conclude our series, how will you define your family? Will you work and and, and do what you can in those relationships to bring about peace and understanding and compassion? Or will your family be defined by bitterness and tension? You see, before us is the opportunity to bring grace into our family relationships and change the trajectory of family. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word. Uh, As we have been shown such great grace by you, Lord, we hear the call. We, We want to go forth showing that grace to others, especially to our family. So, Lord, search our hearts today. God, I pray for a fresh vision of family. Yes, at the conclusion of a series, but Lord, a fresh vision for family that values grace, that values forgiveness and love together. Lord, give us that vision. Give us that help and that hope that we so desperately need, Lord Jesus. We ask these things today in your name. Amen. Uh, If you would turn to our our teaching text in Colossians chapter 3, Paul begins that chapter uh, unpacking, if you will, what it means to be a follower of Christ, to experience new life in Him. And so we're going to unpack the opening of that chapter there in Colossians, beginning at verse 1. The text is on the screen. It's also in your version notes today as well. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear With him in glory. Uh, Paul opens this chapter uh, reminding his readers that they have new life in Christ. They have a new life to live in Christ Jesus. And what we value, what we focus, is all within the realm of salvation in Christ Jesus. And he's calling us to this new vision of life in Jesus. And these values that he's sharing, uh, yes, apply to our lives. And yes, they apply to relationships within the church, but they can certainly apply to our family relationships as well. How we think, how we interact, what we focus on is all to be a response to the amazing grace we've encountered in Jesus, a response to his life within us. And in the next few verses, if you would continue in Paul's uh, train of thought through the chapter, if you will, uh, he reminds us uh, the call to put to death things of the old life things like sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires. He says, give them no more power. Put them to death. Cut them off from your life. You have a new life to live. Those things don't define you anymore. Cut them off. And he also says that through aided in the the ministry of the Spirit and his power at work in us, we're to strive to change our old ways, to live a new life. Like dirty laundry, he calls us to take off our old garments, garments of anger and rage and and malice and dirty language and lying. We're to leave them behind us like a pile of dirty laundry. Leave them behind. As we arrive in our teaching text, Paul, as he has told us to put to death, to take off, he begins to paint the picture of new life in Christ. 
At verse 12, he says, therefore, so looking back, because of your new life in Christ, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As we have taken off the old jersey of our former life in Christ, we have a new uniform, a new set of colors to wear as we are on God's team. We, we are special. We are dearly loved. We are to put on the jersey of God's love. Its colors show up as compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. And you'll notice that all these terms, that this new life we're to wear, to put on, all these terms are relational in nature. Think about it. Compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness, they're relational. And so what that's showing us is that our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior must show up in how we relate to one another, how we interact and do life together must also be a response to the life of Christ within us. And that's exactly where Paul goes next in verse 13. He says, bear with each other. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This idea to, to bear with one another uh, is to make allowances for imperfections in others. Does anyone besides me in the room have any imperfections? I mean, I only have like one and a half, so, you know. <laughs> Thanks for not amen in that. <laughs> but you see, this idea is an allowance for our imperfections. Uh, in other words, you could say, put up with one another. <laughs> to bear with is, is to withhold anger. It's to withhold retaliation. It's to endure patiently, moment by moment, day by day with one another. I think we could say, be gracious to one another. It's interesting, too, here that Paul separates this idea of being gracious, of bearing with one another, and forgiveness. And I know for me that when I started this study looking at grace this week, I had to pull apart to understand that they are nuanced from one another. Certainly grace and forgiveness are, are closely related, but they are distinct. Forgiveness, uh, it's, it's largely reactive. It's reactive. It's a response to an offense. Uh, something has happened that requires a response, the act of forgiveness. Whereas grace, on the other hand, it's proactive. It's ongoing, it's ongoing forbearance, it's ongoing allowance of daily human shortcomings. Grace is relational flexibility. And it's required of us daily in family relationships. When an offense comes, Paul is, is absolutely clear. We're to forgive others as we've been forgiven. But he's also opening the door, this idea of grace that we are to have an ongoing forbearance, a proactive choice to love others in our family as we have been loved. Lead the charge in loving your family as we have been loved in Christ. That's grace. That's grace. 
uh, in his book, Ragamuffin Gospel, Brendan Manning tells a story about New York Mayor uh, LaGuardia that helps us see this idea of grace and mercy and justice, and it, it helps us see those in action. If you've ever flown through the LaGuardia Airport, you may recognize this gentleman's name. Uh, LaGuardia was the mayor of New York City uh, through the Great Depression and World War II, and uh, he was known to be a pretty colorful character. He did some odd things uh, as far as politicians go. Uh, He would uh, hop on the back of the New York City fire trucks and run calls with the fire department. Uh, He would go with the police department on raids of speakeasies and other uh, illegal drinking establishments. I think he had an adrenaline problem, maybe. Uh, But he was going out and doing these things, but you get to see his heart a little bit more. He would take entire orphanages out to see a ball game. Yeah, he was a man of heart. Uh, When the newspapers would go on strike, uh, he would go to the radio airwaves and he would read the Sunday funny papers so the kids could have a little laughter in their week. Uh, A story circulates about Mayor uh, LaGuardia that on a bitterly cold night in 1935, uh, he showed up at the night courtroom in one of the poorest sections of New York City. Uh, He uh, rolled into the courtroom and relieved the judge of his post that night. I can only imagine that judge was happy to go home and have a night with his family. Uh, But Mayor LaGuardia, he he took over the bench and began to try the cases. And within a few minutes, a, a tattered old woman was brought before him charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She, she tells Mayor LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her, her daughter was now sick, and her two grandchildren were on the brink of starvation. But the shopkeeper, uh, the, the shopkeeper who owned the store at which she stole the bread, refused to drop the charges. His perspective said, look, it's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor. The man told the mayor, she's got to be punished. We need to teach her a lesson. We need to teach others a lesson about this kind of behavior. And right here, we see a cry for justice. This is justice. What's wrong is wrong, and it's just that this old lady gets the punishment that's coming to her. Justice is getting what you deserve. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, well, got to punish you. The law gives no exceptions. That's justice. $10 or 10 days in jail. Now, that little stirring in your heart hearing this story right now, that stirring that just says, let her go, let her feed her family, that's mercy. That's mercy. Mercy uh, is not getting what you deserve. Well, $10, 10 days in jail, I've got to punish you. But even as he pronounced this sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero saying, here is the $10 fine at which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, please collect the fines and give them to the defendant. The following day, the newspaper uh, in the city reported that $47.50 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. 
50 cents of that amount being contributed by one red-faced grocery store owner, while 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, New York City policemen, each of whom who had just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. Friends, that's grace. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Grace. Grace as a family value uh, uh, means that we don't always give others what they deserve. We don't always give them the peace of our mind. (laughs) We don't always seek justice first. Sometimes in your family, you'll be the one that's needing to receive grace. You'll be the consumer in that moment. And there's other times in family where you will be called, you will be the one who needs to give grace to your family, to give what's not deserved. There's an opportunity before us in our family relationships, friends. The opportunity is that you can be the one. You can be the one to bring grace into your family relationships and see the trajectory of your family changed. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Throughout our series, we've tried to give some practical, like, take-home tools, uh, some things to consider and pray about through the coming week, and uh, today I want to share you an acrostic for grace, you know, where each letter uh, stands for something. Uh, I I found this framework within James Dobson's ministry, Focus on the Family, and I modified it a little bit. Uh, but this, uh, if you're a note taker, this one's for you. Uh, it's also on the you version side. But uh, things to remember bringing grace into your family relationships. We're going to begin with G, God's gift to you. Things to remember as you bring grace into your family first, God's gift to you. To begin to bring grace into our family relationships, we need often to recall the great grace by which we have been shown by the Lord. Paul, writing again in Ephesians chapter 2, says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. As you seek to bring grace into your family relationships, remember God's gift of grace to you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. God's gift to you. R in grace, resist emotional responses. I don't know about you, but I felt pretty seen by this one. Resist emotional responses. To to hold grace as a family value means that we do not react out of emotion. We do not react. We do not respond out of emotion. That flush of energy, that that flush of emotion that hits us likely isn't going to lead to the most gracious and redemptive response we could give to our family. Grace may require uh, that we pull back for just a minute, that we walk out on the porch to catch a couple deep breaths before we re-engage the conversation. 
Grace is thinking carefully about our words and not giving in to knee-jerk emotional responses that can be so damaging to our family relationships. Grace is learning to wait out your emotions before you respond. Resist emotional responses. A, adjust your thinking. Adjust your thinking, realizing that that family member that's doing something that is absolutely driving you nuts probably isn't doing it on purpose. They might just be trying to fry some chicken in the kitchen. Adjust your thinking. This is realizing that not everything is an on-purpose shot, not everything is an on-purpose attack at us, that we are frail human beings with natural human shortcomings. Adjust your thinking. Uh, in the book, Everybody Always, it's a fantastic book by Bob Goff. He, he gives this practical tool, and we use this at our house a lot. He says when you're engaging with others, when you're in relationship, and that, you know, that something's going on that drives you crazy, it happens occasionally in family, uh, but when somebody's driving you crazy, he, Bob Goff says, think of the least creepy answer. So the best thing you can come up with, the least creepy answer that explains their behavior, and let that be what guides your thinking. And so as you encounter someone, whether it's making a mess in the kitchen, the least creepy answer just says, oh, he's got a one-track mind, he'll be back. Least creepy answer. That's adjusting your thinking to make room, to make space for grace. Finally, fourth letter C, communicate with kindness. Communicate with kindness. So often our words can be shots fired at our family, and they can be fatal. Grace as a family value is a commitment to communicating with kindness. So often, uh, in the midst of, of our human shortcomings, grace may show up being asked in genuine, open-ended questions. What's going on? Why do, you, why do you feel this way? Is there something I can do to help you? Can you tell me more about what you're feeling right now? Communicate with kindness. Finally, grace Express gratitude. Express gratitude. Family can be messy. We've not shied away from that these last few weeks. Sometimes grace uh, is breaking through all of the mess with a deep sense of gratitude and thankfulness for our family. Sometimes what is deserved, perhaps, is we would feel as a good lecture or a grounding or some more chores or a piece of my mind, but grace is getting and giving what is not deserved. We do well to remember with a grateful heart that those we are in family relationship with are a true blessing. That God speaks into those relationships. He values those relationships and we are called to a heart posture of gratitude with our family. Grace, God's gift to you, resisting emotional responses, adjusting your thinking, communicating with kindness and expressing gratitude. Now, if you've been a part of a family relationship for more than a minute and a half, you can guess this is probably not going to be easy. It's probably not going to be gotten right on the first try every time. Because family's hard. Family's messy. But friends, family is worth it. 
your family relationships are worth it. So will you be the one to lead the change? Will you be the one to lead with grace first? Will you be the one to change the trajectory of your family with grace? You can be the one. You know, we've said from the beginning there is hope and there is help. your impact on your family can make a difference. Lead with grace. Lead with grace. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, Please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.